0: are listening to Stories of Scotland. Welcome. This week we are going panning for gold.
1: I'm Jenny and I'm Annie and yes we are going all the way back to December 1868 where we are about to get caught up in a big Scottish gold rush. Ah
0: there's gold in them thar hills of Kildonan and unsurprisingly that's where we're going. Kildonan is near Helmsdale in Sutherland, in the far northeast of the Highlands. In the early 1800s, Kildonan was a place of grave injustice, with tenants being brutally evicted from their homes by the Sutherland estates.
1: Yes, the Highland clearances were particularly damaging in Sutherland. Now, Sutherland covers a huge area in the Highlands, and the evictions there were ruthless with crofting tenants being pushed to the edges and coasts of Scotland, where they faced a bleak poverty, often being pushed so far that they had no other option but to emigrate.
0: And this is particularly heartbreaking because there's archaeological evidence going way back into the Bronze and Iron Ages, which shows the land of the Strath of Kildonan supporting healthy communities back then. So the clearances taking place in the 1800s are severing ancient ties.
1: Yes, severing ties that go back centuries and generations and still in some way leave a kind of scar on the community. You've still got ruined villages when you go walking in the hills. However, the story we're telling today starts with a newspaper announcement, one that promises to change the fortunes of the area. (gasps) One that promises a rich and wealthy future for the people of Sutherland. This one little article, it promises gold.
0: Gold, gold, always believe what you're told. In the newspapers, it's definitely not a lie. (laughs) Come up and dig in this hole, hole for some gold, gold.
1: (laughs) Brilliant, Jenny average (laughs) hold your golden horses there jenny before we go panning for gold Uh, let's discover how gold ended up here in the highlands uh, now i found a wonderful pamphlet detailing the gold formation in the area and it had this to say
0: It is manifest that this bit of earth's crust has been lifted and lowered many times, and that all the natural engines which grind and sculpture solid rock have had a turn at Sutherland. Every fold in the Laurentian and Silurian beds tells of forces which
1: crumpled the earth's crust like dough. Mmm, delicious dough. So, Jenny. (laughs) I don't know about that. just like my granny's rock buns. (laughs) So, Jenny, can you tell me how this doughy rock gives us gold in the strath of Kildonan?
0: Well, Annie, it was baked just the right way. Almost all of the gold in the country is formed through the same hydrothermal process. This is when water deep in the rocks is heated due to tectonic and volcanic activity. Now, the crumpling and grinding mentioned in the pamphlet is caused by tectonic plates shifting about over millions of years. As they move, heat is created and thus water trapped in the rock is also heated. This devilishly hot water dissolves many minerals from the surrounding rock and, in the right circumstances, when the water cools back down, the minerals precipitate out and form solid gold. Only, this gold is still locked deep within the rock.
1: Well, it sounds rather inconvenient that it's trapped in the rock.
0: Well, it is for gold mining, let me tell you. This is a long process. It is not until hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of years pass, that oh so slowly the rock that is imprisoning the gold is eroded by huge glaciers, whipping wind and torrential rain. After the elements have done their best, the gold is finally set free from its geologic prison and bursts forth into the open, ready to create all kinds of havoc. On its wild journey, it ends up being carried along in glacial till until being dropped in a moraine field, only to be swept up by a seasonal downpour and deposited deep in a riverbed of the Kildonan burn. Here, it patiently waits for its big moment, until one day, in a wonderful, bouncing dance, shaking itself free from the dirt and the debris, the gold appears in the pan of Robert Nelson Gilchrist. And the 1689 gold rush has begun. Gold! Ooh! Always believe
1: Roll up, roll up. Great new discoveries have been made in Kaldonan. As reported first in the Northern Ensign in the winter 1868, this story will sweep up a storm across the nation, building excitement and interest. I don't know, this sounds a little suspect to me, Annie. All that glitters, Jenny, is definitely gold. I don't know if that's how
0: the saying goes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But please, can you put on your accent of discovery and hype
0: Discovery of gold in Sutherland, no small sensation has been created throughout the eastern district of Sutherland within the last few days by a report that gold has been found in Kildoran Strath. And though it has not yet affected the public mind as to lead to a rush to the diggings, it has raised sufficient interest to justify such an amount of prospecting which will put an end very soon to all the doubt on the subject. Meanwhile, it has been established beyond doubt that gold is to be found there. And the only question waiting for a solution is, what is the quantity of the gold, Hm? We believe that in addition to gold, there has been detected the presence of scarcely less precious minerals in the same locality. That means silver, you folks at home. And that a very decided impression prevails that considerable quantities of both descriptions may be obtained. No time will be lost in testing the matter, let me tell you. Meantime, the fact of gold being in Kildonan is established by the successful search of several individuals and the report of mineralogists to the quality of the ore.
1: Okay, so what's happening is word is suddenly spreading fast about the discovery of gold in Kildonan.
0: Very fast.
1: For the local people...
0: And in fact, people from all over the highlands are in dire need of good news. The great poverty that has been inflicted by the ruthless clearances has left the remaining people vulnerable and desperate. Imagine hearing this down the grapevine, Annie. Gold! and not far from here! This would have been a golden glimmer of hope for the desolate people of the highlands.
1: And it did attract people very rapidly. By early 1869, There are hundreds of hopeful prospectors praying for a spark of luck in the strath of Kildonan, as we see from a report in the John O'Groote Journal in January 1869.
0: We travelled up the burn until we came upon a gang of four diggers from Wick, who are easily distinguished in the distance by their colonial appearance and rig. They being delighted to meet friends from their own quarter knocked off work, and invited us to their tent, the only one on the ground. A more primitive style of dwelling could not be conceived. In the inside of a sheepfold, a branch of a tree is inserted, which rests at the other end on another branch, formed like a crutch. A blanket is then just thrown over and straightened down on either side with heavy stones. By the appearance of the frying pan, however, and sundry herring tails and scraps of ham which lay strewn about, we came to the conclusions that if their lodgings were inferior, their board made up for it. At night, when the blanket is properly battened down, the inmates go to sleep as snugly as in any tent, and not a drop of water emerges through their covering.
1: It's interesting. I wonder if the Sheepfold is a ruin from cleared villages. Or something built to help shepherds when the sheep were moved onto the land because of the highland cleavances?
0: Um, could be both. A lot of ruins were used to then direct sheep through during the herding and shearing seasons.
1: Well done. Where did you learn that?
0: I work in land management.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, these conditions are sounding pretty horrendous as much as they're trying to shine a happy perspective on it
0: there's three men in a tiny wee tent but guess what they're dry for the most part
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but i think this is one of the real paradoxes of the gold rush the true absurdity of it that impoverished people find themselves living in dire conditions even compared to what they were coming from and all of this hardship in order to find a highly precious metal
0: I think it just shows the urgency of people wanting to get the gold before it's gone. A sense of panic inciting them to drop the regular labours and rush to the gold. And those who chose not to camp but instead pay for lodgings in Helmsdale faced a 10-mile hike to the river and back each day. So they had less panning time and more money spent in general. So it was a dire decision for them either way.
1: But was it worth it? Were these men finding the gold that they dreamt of.
0: There could not be more than 150 men working on that creek that morning, and the gross amount, judging by what we saw collected at night among them, would not be under £50 in value. The largest amount collected by one man was almost 20 shillings worth. Some gangs, however, make much more, mm, but others, again, green hands, barely make a wage.
1: So, for our gold prospectors, back in 1869, this would be working out at about seven shillings a day per man. But taking into account the feed pan and the cut that the landlord would be taking, this would have been less. However, it's still a pretty good amount of money. Essentially, it's above the wage of your average skilled worker, um, about double the wage of your average miner. Okay. The article goes on to say that it wasn't always this consistent, though, and experience counted a lot, as we've heard before with the green hands barely making a wage, the inexperienced panners not really getting much at all.
0: Some ardent adventurers from a pretty considerable distance appear on the ground without any washing or digging implements, whatever, as if they expect to merely... Pick up nuggets out of the bottom of the stream.
1: Okay, so there was a kind of naivety coming from the hopefulness of the gold rush, um, that people were turning out without any panic equipment, just hopeful that by being there, they would be sharing in part of the wealth. However, the article does go on to detail that this was not the only issue faced by prospectors.
0: The latest accounts, however, from the gold diggings though there may be a few individual exceptional instances of good luck, are by no means so encouraging as to warrant all the fuss and excitement which has hitherto distracted the public mind. Even the reports of the last few days do not elicit such favourable results as at the beginning. But this may arise from the state of the weather, which has turned out very unproprietous. The prospects for a continuance of the rush for the diggers at the Sutherland goldfields have changed very considerably this month.
1: So we'll soon discover if the gold diggers of Kildonan find their treasure. Ooh,
0: can you guess which one it is?
1: It's <laughs> never the happy one in the Highlands, it's never is never it? the
0: happy one in the Highlands.
1: Okay, so we're facing a few issues for the Kildonan gold rush. Too many gold permits had been given out, and the money to be made from the gold prospecting was in severe decline.
0: I knew it wasn't going to end well.
1: Men were being blinded by the chance of gold. However, they soon found out when they got there that they should have paid more attention to the darker sides of the reports. They made their way to Sutherland in good faith, only to find themselves in dire conditions and barely even making a wage.
0: Well, they had their sight quickly returned when they arrived in Helmsdale. Welcome to Helmsdale! Here's your shovel and your eyes. Get digging.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and one of these men arrived in July and quickly set about writing home to tell of how he had been tricked by all of the gold hype. So, Jenny, please can you be an angry scottish gold prospector for me
0: i thought you'd never ask i shall endeavor to dissipate the false halo of romance in which the sutherland goldfields have been particularly enveloped owing to the glowing and exaggerated reports which have found their way from time to time into the columns of the press i'm no bitter i'm just raging with the,
1: with stick to the lines jenny <laughs>
0: Without further preamble, I hold that the Sutherland gold diggings have as yet, for all practical purpose, proved a most complete failure. Few have made their means by Scottish gold diggings.
1: So right off the bat, this chap is not very happy at all. It's clear from his first day arriving at the Sutherland gold camp that it was not what he expected.
0: It consists of about one street, 150 yards in length. With a style of architecture more varied than elegant, wooden huts, canvas tents, inverted boats, old sails spread over the walls of turf, dilapidated vehicles covered with tarpaulin, old vans, strongly reminding one of travelling shows, anything and everything that owners could convert into a partial shelter from wind and weather.
1: So, again, we are seeing terrible living conditions in this area. Now, this was essentially a hastily constructed gold miners' shanty town with a few hundred men in it. Each man paid the Duke of Sutherland a pound a month for a permit to a 40 foot by 40 foot patch of gravelly ground. And this was no easy work, nor was it in any way regulated or done with any care to the landscape. Our lad wrote.
0: I set out for the creek to view the operations of the diggers and the most picturesque and animated scene they presented. These hundred or so stalwart men as they shifted to and fro, some digging with spades and shovels, some with picks pulling down the banks, some tearing up rock with a crowbar, some carrying stuff in buckets or wheeling it in barrows." Some working sluices and long toms, some rocking the mysterious cradles with the regularity of clockwork, while some with pick and gold pans were searching eagerly every nook and corner for prospects of bettered claims.
1: Well, it sounds like these men were all working hard, but how was it paying off for them?
0: More than one instance has come under my own direct observation of men who left their families, travelled a long journey, provided themselves by dint of severe pinching with expensive tools, paid one pound a month for permission to dig 40 square feet of rocky moor, worked like galley slaves month after month, and in the end were obliged to sell their all in order to provide themselves with the necessities of life as they trudged miserably home on foot.
1: But what about our gold digger? How did he get on?
0: I myself have worked from five in the morning till seven or eight at night. Worked up to the knees in muds and water, with hands blistered and hacked, and chipped and bruised, pulling down banks, tearing up rocks, rolling away great boulders, shoveling aside sand, gravel and stones. And I have found in the end, I've earned about
1: 9 or 10 pence. A wage of about 40 to 50 pence, which was 4 shillings back then, would have been acceptable. And it would have been the wage of, say, a coal miner. However, our gold diggers are sometimes getting only a quarter of this. So they are doing back-breaking work for almost no return at all.
0: Yep. And even if the men had one lucky day, the chance of it happening enough for a decent wage was so slim.
1: Indeed, and this unpredictability is exactly why the Great Helmsdale Gold Rush of 1869 came to an end, less than a year after it started. As the summer ended, the herring season began and the fishing industry needed men to work the nets. And this could offer a much steadier income and surprisingly better living conditions (laughs) and so these once hopeful men now devastated those who had left their villages and crofts and traveled far into the highlands to find their wealth packed up their few belongings and left for the coasts defeated But no doubt, glad to be leaving.
0: By December that year, only 50 or so die-hard gold diggers remained. We've all met a few of them, Annie, haven't we? (laughs) Yes, we have, Jenny. But these men couldn't have continued even if they wanted to. The weather was rapidly deteriorating and the Duke was unwilling to allot any more land to the panners as the farming tenants were complaining about their land being encroached upon. Also, they've just destroyed this burn. There are scars still visible on the landscape today.
1: Well, the Duke of Sutherland didn't really care about the environmental impact and the scars on the landscape journey. Classic
0: (sighs) Duke of Sutherland. Classic.
1: (laughs) But the Duke of Sutherland did care about his other holdings, so he stopped issuing gold permits, with the last running out on the 30th of December, 1869. And with this the Kildonan gold rush was over.
0: I feel the main problem with the gold rush and bear with me here but I did do a lot of research on this and I feel like I've uncovered some important playing pieces in in the failure of the rush but the main problem right was the lack of gold.
1: (laughs) Controversial opinion there Jenny but I suspect it to be correct. There's definitely more gold in the Kildonan burn than there is in most other Scottish burns. But just because there's some gold there doesn't mean that there's mountains of it lying just under the surface, waiting for ducks to dive into it. Unfortunately for our hopeful gold panners, there just wasn't enough of it in the area to support them all, or any of them really. Although Kildonan is still popular to this day with recreational gold panners who take to the waters in the hopes of finding a little, but not a lot, Scottish gold. Are we lucky nugget?
0: <laughs> Shall we go, Annie? Shall we try our luck panning for gold up there?
1: Um, no.
0: Ah, hey, yes, fair enough. That is pretty miserable.
1: But there is an absolutely amazing chip shop in Helmsdale.
0: Hey, better be called the Golden Nugget. There should be gold puns everywhere up there. If not, can we go and start a chip shop with a gold pun?
1: They also have an incredibly progressive arts and heritage centre that I adore. Timespan. If anyone is up in Helmsdale or doing the North Coast 500, definitely worth a visit.
0: Another gold nugget of the Highlands, Annie.
1: You always see seals at the beach. So here I've got a satirical poem from the John O'Groat Journal on the 15th of April, 1869, which displays a great disillusionment of the gold rush of Kildonan. Now, it's a poem that speaks about the hard work involved in collecting gold and how it never pays off for the workers themselves. It's written by a person with the initials HS. Harry Scott. Possibly, (laughs) but I think unlikely. And it's quite critical of the Duke of Sutherland. So I'm assuming that's why we don't know the full name
0: of Harry Scott.
1: Unlikely their name, Jenny. Anyway, (laughs) it's such an intriguing poem called The Highland Gold Digger's Song. Now, I've taken a wee extract, but the song ends with what might be the most ironic praise of the Duke of Sutherland ever.
0: She'll go to the Highlands. Yes, she will. She'll hock a hole on the side o' a hill. She'll seek him o'er with craft and skill, and she'll sleep there till the morning. Och, she would labour long in vain, but Gould is in the and Glen, and Tonalt will be a man again, and buy a firm
1: some morning. Coming up, we have a couple of Anglicised Gaelic words to look out for. So, binach means a blessing... And sassanach means a foreigner or outsider.
0: I be Nick on my native land, on which I'll walk or sleep or stand. If sassanachs come, they'll feed my hand. I'll break their face some morning. Intense
1: for that line. I, I think it's very powerful. <laughs> and Jenny, the final verse, you need to be incredibly, incredibly sarcastic.
0: Long live our great, noble duke. Him no greedy, hungry souk. Him, let us dig and burn and brook at evening, noon and morning. Him, your big jobby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so I find the Kildonan gold rush particularly interesting because Caithness and Sutherland in the far north Highlands have this history of industries being implanted, developed, and then suddenly plucked out from crofting clearances to the herring fishing, from the almost decommissioned nuclear industry to the very short-lived gold rush. I think that what we would love to see is diversified industries across Caithness and Sutherland, which offer meaningful employment to people and allow young people to thrive in the North Highlands.
0: With tourism being such a major income for Caithness and Sutherland we're really hopeful that the North Highlands are getting a decent level of support through the crisis caused by COVID-19. People in the far north are proud of their place, with this incredible rugged coast and persevering communities. Caithness and Sutherland are vast and amazing areas to visit, both with unique character and Highland cultures, not to mention spectacular ecology. I think what stood out for me about the Kildonan Gold Rush is how little risk the big landowner takes in these little gambles of industry. Yet for the individual prospector, it is a fragile dream of making enough gold to just get by or ending up impoverished.
1: Yes, it almost feels like people are enthralled by the gold, the chance to change their lives through the Cascade of wealth from a large gold nugget.
0: Yeah, but this is totally dependent on chance and, and coincidence and above anything else luck. It's a rush. It's fast paced and urgent. Perhaps we all need just this anti gold rush, or like like a like a not a rush but a slow like a like a, a peat bog slowed down. One of those old peat bog slow down hoedowns in the countryside. We all go nice and slow and admire how beautiful peat bogs are.
1: I do love a peat bog Jenny.
0: <laughs> but yes, endeavor to visit Sutherland and Caithness when it's safe to do so and support local businesses and admire the landscape and be the peat bog slow down.
1: I'm not sure that the Highland Tourist Board are going to take you up on the peat bog slow down. A slogan.
0: It's a golden, it's 24-carat golden slogan. <laughs>
1: Well, Jenny, I hate ending on a bit of a sad note when we've got gold in this podcast.
0: <laughs> Questionable amounts of gold, Annie.
1: Well, I hunted around for some positive gold in Sutherland and I found a fairy gold story to cheer us up.
0: All right. So this is the short tale of Drochnafua, the bridge of the fairies or Kelpies.
1: Yes, and the site of Drochnafua nowadays goes by the name Gizenbriggs which is a bar that crosses the Dornach Firth. And the old maps of the Ordnance survey say it was called this because of the tremendous noise that you could hear at this point on the Dornach Firth.
0: It was said that the Fua, the fairies, used to cross the Dornach Firth in a ferryboat of their own design. They floated inside cockle shells from one side to the other, But this sounds honestly like terrible design, and it was actually very cramped and tiring for them, for they have wonderfully long and athletic legs. (laughs) (laughs) The Fua fairies decided to set about finding a new way to cross the estuary. After consulting with all the creatures of the Dornoch Firth, the seals, the kelpies, the crabs, the mermaids, the adders, and that one dolphin who's a good laugh, they resolved to build a bridge across the firth.
1: Why would a dolphin need a bridge when they don't go on land?
0: They do good laugh. Why not ask about you know? <laughs> they wanna include him. Yeah, like I was gonna say the crabs don't need it, but can crabs swim?
1: They kind of plodder along the bottom okay. of the, the right. sea, don't a, they? A bridge would be... on their little legs.
0: Yeah. Be handier for crabs than it would be for a dolphin.
1: Okay, Jenny.
0: It would be like a water park for the dolphin, you know, it would get up and then ride the bridge back down. I don't know. He's a fun guy.
1: What happened, anyway? Did they did they decide to build a bridge, Jenny? <laughs> yes,
0: they did, and the dolphin had a big say in it all. And it was a work of great magnificence. <laughs> the piers and the posts, every part of the structure of the bridge was covered in pure gold. It glistened above the hard waves of the Dornach Firth, splendid and beautiful. The Fua fairies loved their bridge dearly, for it matched the natural glory of the environment around them. The crabs did their little judgy of the gold bridge, as they thought it was a bit garish and over the top, but the fairies don't really care much for the crab's opinion. The dolphin, though, that's what matters. But what mattered most is that it was much more comfortable to cross than the clamshells. Unfortunately, a mysterious person found the bridge, and this person just so happened to, weirdly... Be a human. Oh, no! <laughs> now this human was delighted that a new bridge had been built, as it would save him the cost of the fairy. Not the fairy, the fairy. The traveller praised God for the bridge and lifted his hands and blessed the bridge and the Fua fairies. But at this blessing, the earth jolted and realigned itself to divide the realms of fairies and humans. Immediately, the Fua fairies vanished and the beautiful golden bridge of Dornach became swallowed by a great green wave. This giant wave caused the sands to gush inwards and formed the dangerous quicksands, which are still there to this day, Annie.
1: Thanks, Jenny. Now our listeners will be happy to know that Dornock Bridge was opened by the Queen Mother in 1991.
0: So we bet this maths doesn't add up. The second Dornoch Bridge.
1: The second Dornoch Bridge, <laughs> apparently. So it's not made of gold and it wasn't made by fairies, Uh but it hasn't been swallowed by the Darnock Firth, Mm -hmm. so...
0: Well, the Queen Mother certainly lived well, well into her golden years, so maybe she was a fairy.
1: (laughs) Not sure you can say that about the Queen Mother on a podcast, journey.
0: I think she'd find it flattering if she weren't dead.
1: And on that highly inaccurate note, and I just want to confirm the Queen Mother was definitely not a fairy.
0: Do you have evidence on the contrary?
1: Yes, Jenny, I do. Thank you all for listening to Stories of Scotland. We make this podcast just for you. We've had some lovely reviews of our podcast lately, which are worth the weight in gold. So thank you all so much.
0: And thanks to all our wonderful Patreon supporters, you are all fabulous. Heather has joined our wee Patreon family, so an extra special thank you to Heather, with such a lovely and lucky name plucked straight out of the Scottish landscape. If you'd like to support us as well as we make this podcast, then you can go to patreon.com slash stories of Scotland.
1: We really appreciate all of the support we get, either through reviews so that other people can find us, or through patreon thank you all so much
0: also annie has been on a roll posting incredible ye olde school scottish pictures uh, all over facebook and instagram this week so give us a follow and like on them if you wish to see these as well slange va